Welcome back to IDS Double Feature, the film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones too. I'm Annie Aguiar. And I'm Chris Forrester. Period pieces are boring, or so the saying goes. Maybe it's true, but on this week's episode of Double Feature, we're celebrating two sleek, subversive, and sexy period pieces that aren't afraid to stir the pot. Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread and Yorgos Lanthimos's The Favorite. Oh, is right. <laughs> Where do we start, Christopher? Where do we start? Um, Let's do I'll start with Phantom. the fact that Phantom Thread, I didn't love the first time that I saw it, huh. and now it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I've okay. seen it so many times. Here's how Annie and Chris watching movies together usually goes. Chris has a movie that he loves it's so good oh my god and then he sends you tweets making fun of that movie while you have not seen the movie yet and then you eventually watch the movie on his couch at his apartment and then you finally can have consensus and share the same tweets that's how it was with both of the movies that we're talking about today and when I finally sat down to watch Phantom Thread it was on Chris's couch Yes. And also, so ridiculously amazing and way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's such a miracle of a movie because mm-hmm. it's so many things at once yeah. that should be completely dissonant and should completely not work. It's funny in such a weird and unexpected way. It's like kind of really, really sensual and it's dirty. It's not kind of. It's, it's very... Like borderline erotic it's it's erotic it okay this movie is one of the like just most sexual movies i've ever seen despite there not being any sex scenes yeah and there's like not even any nudity or like mention of sex but it's just written into every scene this sexual tension um but it's also so thoughtful and nuanced and like melancholy and it shouldn't work to have all of those things at once but Every time I watch it, I feel like I'm so like spellbound by it because I can laugh so hard at some of the ridiculous gags. Like there are so many quotable lines in this movie. Oh my movie. god. Are you a secret agent? <laughs> okay. One of the things in this movie okay, so if someone hasn't heard of this movie, Chris, could you explain? So Phantom Thread is about a dressmaker in post-war London and he sort of has this constant cycle of women entering and exiting his life and he meets this woman named Alma who becomes his muse only their relationship grows a bit more complicated (laughs) that's this movie sounds boring it does but it's really not and their dynamic and the evolution of that dynamic is so cool to see on screen and one of my favorite things that happens as the movie continues is they start to like do little digs at each other and one of the things she does is she like pours him a drink a little too loudly and there's one scene where she pours and she just keeps Keeps pouring and she raises her hand hand until it hits the light like it's just a ridiculous ridiculously high hand raise for pouring but i do that all the time now when i'm pouring myself oh yeah something. oh yeah um <laughs> like, there are so many little moments like that that are like so simultaneously like sexually tense but also hilarious because it's like oh my god like these people are literally fighting and the like 
war moves of this battle they're waging against each other are like buttering toast too loud. It's entirely too much movement at breakfast. Ent- I cannot begin my day with a confrontation. <laughs> but at the same time, there's just so much like darkness and like sexual tension behind it that you're kind of like it takes your breath away. Yeah. The movie is also we just have to say beautiful. Oh like, yeah. It's ugh. perfectly crafted. I mean, the sound design is amazing in Johnny Greenwood. Well, I was saying sound I design. I know. I was about to hop on score. The score is phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. Um, Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame. What's up with the Radiohead guys and being good at film scores? I don't know. I mean, Johnny Greenwood has always worked with Paul Thomas Anderson, or at least for a long time. But this is, like, by far their best collaboration. It popped up on my, like, Spotify uh, end-of-year recommendation playlist. Um, The Phantom Thread score, like, some of the tracks from it made it obscenely high on my top 100 of the year. (laughs) Like, I think the top 20 of my of that list included multiple tracks from this movie um but even just like the cinematography the set design the costume design Mm -hmm. it's all so just overwhelmingly beautiful and it all works together to create this really cohesive and like enrapturing movie yeah it's i want to watch it a million more times and oh my god it's daniel day lewis right yeah yeah daniel day lewis as woodcock Reynolds Woodcock. Reynolds Woodcock. He is amazing in this movie. And he, all right, when I was first watching it, he's his character is such a particular brand of, like, jerk. Yes. That I was he's a snob. Tr- snob. But, like, way too overly. I was trying to think of, like, an, like, what character does this remind me of? And you know what I came to and I'm ashamed? Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. I have never watched that show. Good for and you. I'm happy Good that I for have never you. watched that show. Good for you. So, but we got a young Sheldon TV show. So does that mean we get the young, young Woodcock? Woodcock? I think part of the reason why there is this understanding of period movies as boring is because none of them want to ever be funny because it's, we're very serious dealing with people from the past, you yeah. know? But I think something that is really true about Phantom Thread and about the other movie we're discussing is that their moments of humor are like some of the strongest parts even if they're silly little asides more so in Phantom Thread yes well and they're more willing to be idiosyncratic they're not just I think the tendency is for period pieces to be sort of like a very formally boring display for like good set design and good costume work yeah um and you know i always appreciate good craftsmanship in movies but it it has to be complementing an important story mm-hmm. and i think with phantom thread it is yeah like i feel like both of these movies could take place in a modern time and it wouldn't take away from the movie itself or it would it, i mean it would well you it know would what subtract I mean. visually but you know what i mean like this this sta- these both stand alone outside of their setting yes you know? they're not just they're not completely their identity isn't completely tied to the fact that they're period pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, more on Phantom Thread, because I feel like we're not done talking about Phantom Thread. <sighs> Omelets are great. This movie will make you hungry. Yeah. And you will be disturbed by the fact that you are hungry. It's very much so. Like, I never... It, it was kind of like the same thing post-Suspiria. 
where I was like, I just want to eat something gross. I got that Suspiria feeling. I was like, give me some stew. Oh, I don't know. For some reason, I thought this was headed for like Annie wants to eat intestines. I do not want to eat intestines. Well, that's, I don't know. If we're going off of like pivotal things you could eat in the climaxes of both (laughs) of these movies, you're going to have intestines in one and omelets in the other. Yeah. Well, anyway, omelets are good. This movie just, it takes your breath away in like all of the best ways. I mean, not that there's any like bad way to take your breath away, but. It is a little slow, but. It is. And I think that. Slow. The first time I saw it, that was like a little off-putting because I distinctly remember being in the theater and thinking around what I now know is like the halfway point being like, oh, we must be at like an hour and 40 minutes. This feels like it's wrapping up. Yeah. And then it just kept going and kept going. But I think since then, I've really grown to appreciate how like long and complicated the narrative structure is Mm -hmm. and how it, it goes past like the simple dynamic that I thought it was going for. And it just keeps building on itself and growing more and more complicated and adding depth to the characters and their relationships. And I think it's stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little daunting for a first time. Yes. Viewer. Viewing, rather. But no. Paul Thomas Anderson is Paul Thomas Anderson, man. He's incredible. This is. It's a shame that this movie didn't get more like recognition at award shows but like yeah. award shows are dumb and don't and it, matter it got an oscar for costuming i think cool but who won which, for best actor that year was that that the, was gary oldman oh uh, in the movie no one saw yeah and in the category where you had daniel day lewis timothy chalamet and also daniel kaluuya they yeah. really picked gary oldman because he was the the man in fat makeup well the daniels were robbed yes like and so say. was timothy well that's debatable <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Two. We can hope that The Favorite, the second movie we're talking about, does not get snubbed at the Oscars. Things are looking hopeful for it, though. I am. Ten nominations and a lot of wins so far, especially for the cast in acting awards yeah. at other awards shows. Um, I, th- I think Olivia Coleman is a lock. For best actress really i, I mean i like, hope she is because it, she's incredible in this. yeah i used to be uh team yalitza for roma but now that i saw the favorite i'm a hundred percent on the favorite train choo choo yeah vroom vroom <laughs> i really i think this is my pick to win just about Everything. like any category that it's nominated for yeah give it to the favorite oh yeah because it's is it your favorite it's not my favorite of the year it's probably my second favorite this and suspiria like i could I could go either way. Okay. Either either movie is one that like you could wake me up at like two a.m. and be like, "Can can we watch the favorite?" And I would like sit up in bed and like not care why you were <laughs> in my apartment. I would just be like, uh, "Yeah, we can." <laughs> it's okay. There was a screening of it at IU Cinema last week that yes. we were, which was the third time that I had seen it and the first time that Annie saw first, it. First, I've only seen the movie the one time, but. It's another one of those movies where Chris was telling me about it for months, and then I actually Not saw months. it. Not months. I only saw it in, like, the end of November. Oh. Slash, no, I saw, that... it, I saw it in December. Oh, is it February now? Okay, months. <laughs> you win. <laughs> but, okay, so the favorite is, is it just directed by, or did he also write it? Um, I believe he wrote it. Okay. Yorgos Lanthimos, who... Who is a very strange man. Uh, yes. Um, the Lobster... On Netflix and Wild, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Not on Netflix. I believe it's on Amazon. Yeah. Also Wild. wild. Dogtooth? Haven't seen it. I haven't either. 
Um, um, props to me for also remembering. has a movie called Alps, I want to say, that's supposed to be weird. He's just Yorgos is a weird guy. He is a like new wave Greek filmmaker who is just sort of known for like wonky dialogue, like really weird kind of dry sensibilities, almost like I tend to think of him like Wes Anderson if Wes Anderson was like evil. Goth Wes Anderson. Goth Wes Anderson. Yeah. So the favorite for people who don't know, although I think this is a movie that more people have heard about than Phantom Thread, is a loosely inspired by real events movie about the court of Queen Anne and two lovers of hers. That's that's a surprise if you Whatever. haven't watched it. Okay. Whatever. The Court of Queen Anne and two uh, two right. women. <laughs> the favorite for those who are not familiar with it yet, although I think more people have heard of this movie than have heard of Phantom Thread, is a loosely inspired by real events film about the Court of Queen Anne and two women in her life who are vying for her favoritism. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's amazing. So Queen Anne is played by Olivia Coleman. Uh, her... They've known each other since childhood, right? Her confidant, uh, Sarah Churchill. Yes, played by Rachel, Rachel Weiss, Weiss, who is so good. And then the plot of the movie begins when um, Rachel Rachel Weiss's character's cousin uh, comes to court asking for a job. That's Abigail Hill, and she's played by Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. And, all right, just to give you... A look at how good these performances are. Olivia Coleman is up for Best Actress, and Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone are both up against each other for Best Supporting Actress. And if you made me choose between like which supporting actress I want to win, I would just combust. Yeah, they're both I'd, perfect, and I can't choose. I really can't. I I mean, someone made the argument on Twitter of like slight props to Emma Stone for being the only one who isn't British, <laughs> and she did all that with an accent. I could like kind of see it, but Rachel Weiss is just amazing. This film is, I think, the best word I have to describe it is is witty. Yeah, it, it's, it's so funny. It's really. I good. think that I've laughed harder at it every single time I've seen it. I heard Chris laughing <laughs> while and we were was in, sitting many many rows like behind me, five rows behind him on the other side of the theater, and I just hear a loud Chris guffaw. And it's the type of thing where this is the first time seeing the movies, but I knew what some of the lines were because Chris had just been laughing about them. There are so many iconic, quotable lines. If you think there are, like, there are some, like, kind of weird deadpan lines in Phantom Thread that I think are really funny, but there are just some, like, side-splitting. The favorite is a hilarious movie. Even from the opening scene. I mean, (laughs) one of the best lines is in the opening scene, talking about rabbits. <laughs> it's oh my gosh um is it it's up for screenplay yes and best picture of course. and everything director and, oh is he up for director i believe so okay he better he better be. be i'm gonna fight the academy huh it's just gonna go to alfonso but like i know but i'll say it i think that um I, uh, this is better than Roma. Well, okay, so that's how it goes. If um, There have been recent years that have definitely been counter to this pattern, but it's usually a thing for you give best director to the director of the movie that doesn't win best picture. 
and yeah, you I give know. best which doesn't make like, any sense to me because yeah. it's like if you made the best movie of the year are you not by default the best director no the oscars is full of consolation awards yeah that's true we know that like ugh. but yeah i was on the roma train and then the favorite showed the up favorite. and we hopped and said Sorry. Yeah. This is our favorite. And now. then someone said a star is born and I said, I don't know her anymore. Really? I still I still know her, but I'm riding the favorite train all the way home, oh baby. Oh my god, yeah. It's so good. Um, like Phantom Thread though, I think the biggest similarity that these have beyond the obvious one of like their period pieces that throw in a lot of sexual tension is that they also by the end are so complex. Yeah. I think the favorite begins very like um comedic with a lot of wit and a lot of sharp humor but the relationships between the characters as they grow and develop the movie gets sort of somber you can kind of one of the things that i took away from the favorite is like one way of looking at it is just or like the main narrative arc is emma stone's character developing into someone who can survive at court yes and you don't always like the person that you have to become and like neither of these movies have you walk away with an easy wrapped up in a bow moral no i think solution especially the the final shot of this movie leaves me with chills every single time yeah i mean i could not shake it for like the first week after i saw this movie um just the combination of images and um, music that's used there is so powerful yeah no it definitely puts you in a like almost like i remember i was walking out and it seemed to me like i was in a haze of some sort of just like that was that was so much that just happened to me yeah. your, your ghosts and you did that to me yeah um and speaking of that final image um i huge 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 props to this movie cinematographer It's beautifully photographed. The colors are so rich. There has never been a better case for shooting your movie on film because the textures and the lighting and the color and everything that's captured. I mean, there's beautiful costume work. All of the performers are very beautiful people. And all of the set design is gorgeous. But all of that is worthless if you don't have a cinematographer who really knows how to capture it. And he also does so many innovative things with camera movement and with using these fisheye lenses to make the characters... And their environment seem distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like, I feel like a lot of movies that take place in like royal courts are very like respectful of the regal and everything. But it is, some of these shots are jarring. Yeah. They come in at angles that really counter what you expect from like a courtly narrative. You know? Yes. Well, and I think there's also. Um, an inclination to shoot more like not that I have anything against the way Phantom Thread is shot, but in in a more period accurate like, oh, we want to make it feel vintage. But like instead of shooting this in sort of like faded film grain, yeah. it's so rich. The colors like are really saturated. They really pop out at you. Like Phantom Thread feels like an old photograph, but the favorite feels like alive. Yeah. And disorienting in the best way. Yes. You know. Um, and also huge, huge, huge props to editing in this film. I generally like don't pay that much attention to editing just because, you know, good editing doesn't distract you. But it, I think it really hit me the third time. There's a lot of use of images that sort of fade into one another and where mm-hmm. they'll layer 
images with like different opacities over each other during several sequences of the film bleh, during several sequences of the film and it's breathtaking it's so effective Yorgos knows what he's doing i trust him so do i you know um i think this is his least weird film yeah it's definitely the most marketable yeah. like the premise of the lobster is like there is a hotel where single people are and if you can't find a match within a certain amount of days you get turned into an animal Yes, and The Killing of a Sacred Deer is a movie about a surgeon who discovers that his family is cursed and he has to willingly kill one of his family members or they will all die. Um, and infamously, Yorgos Lanthimos shot the entire film thinking, this is going to be a comedy. And then realized when he when it came time to edit, he was like, this is a horror movie, actually. Yeah, I he's a weird dude, and this is definitely, like I said, the most marketable of his movies. The yes. most, like, I don't know, but I don't want that weirdness to go away from his no, work. No, I don't. You know, I don't think it's it lost. survives. I think in this. that it's redirected yeah. into like he knows that the setting that he's making this film is in is like inherently weird enough that he doesn't need to like steep it in his own like Yorgos Lanthimos isms yeah for it to be colorful and vibrant Lanthimos isms Lanthimos isms that sounds like a medical condition yeah yeah anyways we'll so. leave you on that note for this week <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of double feature I've been Annie I am Chris and next week we will be talking about two great action films with Black Panther and Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, God, I actually have to watch that? Yeah. Ugh.